Welcome to Encounter. Today, we are joined by John and Emily Nally as we discuss both missionary work overseas and worship ministries, as well as how churches have adjusted to minister during COVID. Join us as we encounter Christ, encounter culture, and encounter each other. Welcome to this week's episode of Encounter. We are so excited that you're here, that you are listening, that you've taken time out of your valuable time to listen to what we have to say and hear from God's Word and what God is doing in people's lives as we encounter Christ's culture and each other. So in today's episode, we have some very special guests, but before we get there, I would like first to say thank you, thank you, thank you, and second, to say please like, subscribe, and favorite this podcast so that we know what we're doing is effective. We want to be advancing God's kingdom on this earth, and we can know that this is being an effective vessel to do so if you like, subscribe, and favorite this podcast. Today's episode is very special because we are welcomed by John Nally and Emily Nally. I have known John Nally and served with him in ministries for over 10 years, but apart from when we've served together, when we were at college together, where we served on the worship teams and outreach teams and all of that, he has led dozens of other ministries and been part of them. He's led Young Life. He has been a part of... um, the InterVarsity chapter at TCNJ. He has served in communities. He has done two years, approximately two years overseas as a missionary in China. He has done um, some uh, in the capacity of church planning in Australia. And so he has a lot to offer in those areas. And tonight we're going to probe into what he thinks about them. And his wife has another very unique qualification. She is a worship leader of a church in... um, I would say Central Jersey, but people might argue with that, in Central Jersey, and uh, called Central. And at this church, it's got a very diverse population, and she does an awesome job worship leading there, so we get to probe a little bit into that area of her life as well. So welcome, John and Emily. Would you guys mind telling us a little bit about yourselves to get the listeners acquainted with who you are? Em, you want to go first? No, you go first. All right. I'll take it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I grew up uh, in a Catholic church, and, uh, you know, we were just, you know, the type of family that <clears throat> went to church, uh, you know, on the holidays, and uh, and basically, you know, you send the kids to CCD, right? That's, like, the good Catholic thing to do. And then, but our home life, like, didn't match that at all. And uh, so, you know, the Lord had some key people in my life um, that knew the Lord, loved the Lord. Um, a couple of those people were, like, a a fourth and fifth grade teacher of mine, um, and uh, a close family friend who, you know, would just pour into my life, um, you know, as a young kid who was just angry, you know, um, and, uh, you know, from, from that, like I got invited to, you know, like youth groups and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I kind of grew up around the church, but didn't necessarily believe, um, public or Christian school? I went to a public school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is a public school teacher. Gotcha. That uh, was a good question. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just you know really just key people that knew Jesus, you know, and and loved our family well um, through you know some some tough times. And uh, you know, eventually in middle school, uh, I had a close friend of mine, and his mom would have uh, you know we'd do like sports Bible studies. You know, we had those sports Bibles and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we'd like have sleepovers after youth group on Friday nights at, yeah, at his house. And I mean, she just loved, loved us well, you know, 
It I've never really... seen a sports Bible, and I'm curious what oh that my means. Gosh. Like, Jesus is a quarterback. Yeah, like, what, what, I just, <laughs> yeah no way. <laughs> um, I, I should have brought one. I just came across one. Next um, time. Had Andy Pennant, uh, the pitcher from the Yankees, on the, on the front. Okay. And it said, Path to Victory. So you'd, you'd never know it was a Bible until you opened it up, right? Gotcha. But, you know, I have, like, um, Christian athletes and, like, you know, their testimony and stuff mm. like that. So, um, so anyways, we we do those those types of things. And um, eventually, uh, they, they had a, a, a uh, Good Friday service that was very, like, kind of, like, solemn, like, very non-Catholic, you know? So it was, like, way different of a church service. And um, you know, eventually, one, one of those nights, uh, you know, I gave my life to Christ, just said, you know, said the sinner's prayer. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, you know, it was kind of like, a, I'd say a mark of like the Lord kind of marked me out, so to speak. Now, theologically, you know, it's way beyond that, but just like, I feel like that was a pivotal moment in terms of like, somehow in the back of my conscious, it was like inevitable that I'd become a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. I went on as a teenager, you know, partied, drank, all that stuff, you know, um, but still in my heart, like wanted to know Jesus, you know? Um, so it was very much like a hippy dippy kind of, you know, it's like, oh, Jesus is great. Let's smoke weed, you know, like, you know, it's just like, huh, okay, uh, interesting. So not like totally against, but not totally all in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually at the end of high school, um, you know, I tried to kind of straighten out my life, getting ready for college. Um, and I just had like a, I wouldn't call it a rock bottom moment, but one of those moments where it was like the Lord just kind of put the brakes on my life and which, which I was trying to control and do humbled me completely. Um, and so it was the night of my graduation. Um, and this was 10 years ago, right? We're getting um, old. I know it's, well, I mean, I, I just attended, you know, I'm a high school teacher, so I just attended our graduation. So I'm like, you know, uh, recalling mm-hmm. my graduation night, which was great until the post-graduation party mm-hmm. where I got nabbed for underage drinking, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I didn't last like five minutes in the place. So it was like this glorious graduating, congratulatory celebration, boom, you know, like, what am I doing with my life? You know? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, so that, that summer, um, yeah, the Lord just kind of broke me with that. And like that summer I got serious about reading my Bible and um, went to TCNJ and just got plugged into a really solid group of people my own age, you know, I think for me. The difference was being in a community of people um, that were, you know, young but on fire for Jesus and, like, weren't necessarily super weird. I mean, we were, but it was, like, all walks of life, you know? So it wasn't, weird. yeah, it wasn't, like, you know, creepy um, youth group kids that are homeschooled and, you know. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes let's bring it back. Yes, no. Saw that right here. No, no. no. Is this funny? Because we did an episode, like 10 episodes back on homeschooling I Christian. Know, I listened to it. Oh, you did? That's why, that's why yeah, yeah, yeah. I chose questions. So I'm like, let me throw this in the yeah. no, But you know, it's like some, like, you know, as a public school kid who would go to CCD, you know, like that was kind of like, it was a bunch of people that we like, you know, we're all in school together and then we have to go do this church thing. Mm-hmm. That's like mandatory, right? And then, but then you'd meet some people who, you know, would go to church or in the youth group and they're like, like they only do their family thing or they're, you know, or are that they're at the, like the Christian private school and they just like, they're different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like, like when you're in college, all that comes together, 
and you're all in the same boat, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a huge, um, turning point for me. So that's when I met Adam and, you know, we were in, um, a service group together and, uh, we were in this, uh, intervarsity chapter together and the Lord just like poured in my life, like none other. I mean, leadership opportunities, just growing, growing, growing mm -hmm. on fire for the Lord. And, um, you know, I just, I'd always want to serve with my life. I always volunteered, but my service, you know, turned towards, you know, serving, um, for the kingdom and doing ministry. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of my testimony. Nice. Yeah. All right. I guess Your I'm turn. next. Hey guys. <laughs> um, my testimony is similar in some sense. I grew up Catholic, good Italian Catholic girl, went to CCD on Wednesday nights and we just, you know, it was like the town, all, all these different towns came together to our church and it was fun. Mm. Um, and I loved it, but it was nothing, you know, that I took with me past that Wednesday night study. Um, went to college and lived my best life there. Like most, you know, people do. And while I was there, my senior year, my dad, um, called us the summer before my senior year and said, my wife is really sick. And it was my stepmom at the time. And he, after my parents got divorced when I was a kid, he became Pentecostal. So That's it, was, a big difference. it was a big difference. Yeah. So we kind of, my, you know, my family and I didn't understand it. So it was kind of just, you know, well, it's different than how we grew up. So, um, my, so my dad called us over the summer and my stepmom got really sick and they just retired. They were ready to go on missions full time and she got sick and she passed away and she ended up dying, wow. which was just like the most devastating thing that you could think of. Like this man just, you know, found the love of his life, wanted to go on world mission with her and she, you know, went to go meet Jesus. And it was at the funeral that he got up to speak which I couldn't imagine he could do that. And he's like, I'm happy she's walking with Jesus right now. Mm. You know, she's hand in hand. And in college, you're just lost when you don't. And now I know, you know, that place in your heart, you're just trying to fill with everything else, but you're lost and you're looking. And I think at that funeral, I realized like, let me see into this whole Jesus thing. So I started going to church um, right around where I went to school and found amazing community and just fell in love with Jesus and been changed ever since. So yeah, wow. that's my testimony. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because our people who have listened to our other episodes know our testimonies. We're not going to bore them with them, but um, the stories of redemption that we've heard in the past, like four or five episodes are insane. Mm, you know, it, you know, it, today we were sitting in the front room um, during our uh, pre first service prayer time. And it was like our whole worship team was sitting up there and our pastor was sitting up there and our worship leader asked, he said, hey, I have a really good friend who's going through something and he's just being dumb. Um, and and we all know what that means. Like he's just going through something and he's making some bad choices. Mm -hmm. Like just pray for him. And he didn't name the person. He just was saying, and our pastor was like, I know dumb. I've been there. Like, <laughs> And all of us were like, yep, I remember dumb. Yes. Yeah, like, and um, it's kind of the same that I'm hearing from you guys. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I remember that, you know, when I was dumb and, yeah. you know, now, and uh, I know that's not theological, the word dumb, but it's just the idea of like, when you, when you, you know. Um, foolish. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's just easier to say no. Yeah. And in um, ministry, it's been nice to know that I got to choose this for myself. It wasn't my family's influence or it wasn't. It's just seeing those challenges that people come across, you know. Um, yeah, I got to say yes to Jesus on my own terms, in my mm -hmm. own time, you know, with no outside pressure. Yeah. So that it, that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, um, I was going to ask you, how, do you, how did you fall into full-time ministry? 
as a such worship leader? a God thing. So I was, um, I taught in Trenton for eight years at a charter school there, loved it, but was getting my master's and it was a long day. And I thought, let me see if there's another school that I can work at and then maybe I can do part-time ministry. Um, and so I was searching, applying to different schools and on Easter Sunday, um, the pastor from the church that I go to now, Central, emailed me and said, hey, we saw your application. We'd love for you to come in for this full-time position. So I came in and went through the whole hiring process, which was a very long process. Um, but yeah, and then got it, got the job. Wow. Got the call. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And how many years now have you been there? Uh, four, coming up in August. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Oh, next weekend. Mm. Yeah. So when I met you, you were doing. You were about a year in. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah. I thought you'd been doing it for like a ten years already. Oh, so gosh. or five years. <laughs> well, she was Seems trained up at her previous church. So yeah. okay. You know she, you know she was ready to for that position mm-hmm. because of the the training that she received from, you know, the worship leader there. So yeah. You know, I think I mean I've been around. You know this the the congregation we're at like been there for you know mostly ten years so to speak and. um I've seen a lot of people been like kind of raised up and then sent out, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I I appreciate when there's leadership in the church who are, you know, intentional about leading those who are clearly anointed and gifted and sending them out Mm -hmm. so that, you know, um, they're equipped to uh, fulfill the ministry that that God has placed on their life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge because I think that's, so many times what happens is they equip them, but they never send them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like this church now just has all this talent in one little tiny, you know, it's like, it's, I don't know, it can be selfish, but it's like, you've got to send everybody out. That's the whole mm-hmm. point. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's honestly the church we're at. I, I mean, I've seen people who like literally, you know, worship leaders, pastors, like they, they've gone, mm-hmm. you know, they've gone out and, and our, our lead pastor at the time, he was not, you know, he was not unashamed of saying, you know, our, our purpose is to equip and, and to send out, you mm-hmm. know, um, like we're, we're happy that the, you know, we're, we're, you know, sad that we're losing them, so to speak, but we're not really like they're, mm-hmm. they're going to continue to do kingdom work. Um, and so that's, we should be rejoicing in that, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely unique. I think since I've been at that church, probably it's like, oh, that just seems normal. It seems right. You know, right, yeah, yeah. but like, no, I've definitely know of other churches I've grew up around and stuff. They're very, you know more insular, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know that, that can that can't be good all the time. So, yeah, one thing I've, I've admired about you since we met, um, and this isn't no longer your head get too big, but and looking at John, what I'm saying is uh, that you're pretty bold with your faith. So like you're not really ever afraid or nervous to talk to anybody different, and um, I, I you kind of coax me a little bit out of my shell because I'm. I lean towards intro. So I'm, I'm more of like, I would feel much more comfortable teaching in front of 30 people than I would talking to a complete stranger mm-hmm. who I'm like, a, like approaching to talk about, you know, the gospel. It's just, it's just uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to work on that. And, and it seems like you don't have to work on that part, you know, and you know, I did, I know you just preached your first sermon, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Right. Was that your first? Yeah. First formal. Okay. Yeah. So we can talk about that in a minute, but yeah. uh, you, I, the, when you cook, me out of my cell, my my cell or my shell. Um, Cooked you out of your cell. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, feel like I had a stint <laughs> after my graduation too. Um, no, but when uh, we did the boardwalk evangelizing and yeah. stuff, um, yeah. how, what kind of fruit have you seen from that over the years with um, going down to the Ocean City Boardwalk? And yeah, so I mean, it's it's definitely a, like a seed planting mission, so to speak, right? Um, like you're there talking with 
complete strangers, right? And uh, mostly young people. Um, so it's one of those things where you go into it knowing like, all right, you know, may maybe I can get an email and try to keep up with this person, you know, maybe I can have some sort of communication. But most of the time, if someone, you know, comes to believe or, or it, you know, is a believer or on the fence and like, you know, when they're down there, we, we try to guide them to like, you know, biblical churches there, you know, um, and say, Hey, get plugged into this or, you know, they have, you know, so like one of it's knowing the, the territory, so to speak, right. Like knowing what's there. Um, and, uh, another part of that is like, there's a lot of kids that go down like the, you know, the same week, right. So like, you know, consistent vacationers, so to speak. Um, and so years on end, we'll, we'll run into the same people, you know, and they'll come right up to us. I wouldn't have guessed that. You know, yeah. It's, it, well, that's the nice thing about Ocean City is because it's uh, it's a very family oriented place. People have rentals um, that they go every summer. So, like, there's been a couple of years where I've you know talked to the same kids and we're like, hey, you know, hey, we talked last year, you know. Mm -hmm. So, it's cool. Like that's that's cool. Um, but you know, it's it's not one of those things where you're gonna see the fruit, but you're just you're trusting, right? That you're planting a seed. And, um, you know, so there's, there's been some people we've kept in contact with, but it's very minimal, you know? Um, I think some of the more fruit is like being able to have this opportunity to train people mm. to evangelize and to be intentional about having spiritual conversations, even mm. if it's with strangers, you know? Um, and it's a very, like, we just stand there with a sign that says, are you going to heaven? I was going to say, can you explain right? like what the main tactic is? So we use the, the two question evangelism explosion. So for those who, Sounds crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's this thing that was created, I don't know, maybe back in the nineties or something, but like it's, if you haven't heard that term, it's, you've probably heard these two questions, right? Like if you were to die in this moment, like, would you go to heaven? Yes or no. Right. And then the second question is, um, you know, you're standing before God and he asks you, why should I let you to heaven, right? So it's like, do you believe? Do you believe there's an afterlife? Yes or no? Uh, are you good enough to get, go there, right? So then it's like, the, what, are, what are they basing their life off of in terms of, um, right? Is, and most people would say, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. Um, well, what's the, the standard for that, right? God actually has a standard. It's the, mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments, right? Um, so you, it's, you know, a hypothetical that gets people thinking and a lot of times it's not something we want to consider, but it's inevitable reality. Right. And then you go through the law just to establish like, Hey, you're a sinner, but so am I. Right. So it's not just about like, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And not like sharing like your own struggles and stuff. Like, Hey, I'm a sinner as well. Like all of us judged by God's standard, we all fall short, but you know, there's, there's good news for that. Right. And uh, you know, we get to share the gospel and, and share the testimonies. You know, it's it's a wide range of reactions, right? But um, was this based on was this, does it have anything to do with Ray Comfort? Uh, it's similar. Um, it's very similar. But um, yeah, I would say like a lot of our. It's like he didn't like start. He didn't like. No, I don't think he started Evangelism Explosion. Um, okay, but sounds because it just sounds very similar. Yeah, it's very but, yeah. very similar. So there's there's a lot of different. Uh, we'll call them tactics. That feels like a. I don't know. Uh, Manipulative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just a go-to conversation starter. Yeah, I mean, know, there's there's lots of different ones. It's just questions that kind of mm -hmm. open up those things, you know. And what I liked about it is that it's you start with the sign, and so it's almost like they come to you. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and you, so you're so not, yeah. you're not, I mean, I have seen it where like the one, there was this one older gentleman that does like magician tricks one year I was there and he'd walk around and like, he would draw people in and he would, he was like a master of sleight of hand, magi- like magic. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then, and then you know, all these young kids would come in and he'd be like, all right, now let's talk about the greatest magician of all. Like he was somebody, <laughs> yeah. and then he would like start talking about yeah. Jesus. Uh, so he would draw, so people have different techniques, you know, to, to, to do it, but. He had his own flavor. Yeah, yeah there's you know? people who do like presentations or um, or just street preaching, right? PowerPoints. Mm, um, but <laughs> if we know. do PowerPoints, Cole could be there. He's a PowerPoint <laughs> guy. But yeah, there's. I think it's a great opportunity just because you're not forced to like go and approach someone like on a park bench because that can be intimidating, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're also not like just passing out tracks because it can be a bit passive, you know. Yeah. So. It's something that's like you just gotta be prepared for, and 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 the biggest thing I was just talking about this at our men's breakfast yesterday. Like we were talking about missions and sharing the gospel, um, and uh, like we have to get we have to get over that fear. Everyone has that fear, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's mm-hmm. public speaking or talking to a stranger or just talking about your faith, you know, uh, which can be either really personal or it can be like it can become combative, right, to certain people. So. Um, like we have to release ourselves from that pressure of like getting it perfectly right. Right. Or like somehow like we're in charge of the results. Right. Like that's not, that's not what God has called Mm -hmm. us to. Right. Like the Holy spirit is in charge of convicting people of their sin and converting people to know Jesus. Right. It's the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Our, Our role is to simply share it, share this invitation, share this love and do it in an authentic way, not a, sales pitchy way, not a, you know, let me just convert you type of way, but let me share with you the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And, but, but also it's not just for me, right? It's mm-hmm. not just this personal thing. Um, it is, but it's for everyone, you know? Yeah. That's shout out to Caleb from last week. Cause when he was talking, his big phrase he kept using over and over again was like, as Christians, we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So on, on a Sunday, he was yeah. talking about his personal mission was to start, like as soon as the service ended, to like missionally not attach himself to the same few people he goes and talks to every mm-hmm. Sunday, but mm-hmm. go sit down with a new couple, go talk to them. And that's kind of a lost art. Is that the right word? I don't know. We said it at the same, same time. time. So it's 100% <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's either really wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, something where uh, on Sundays and, you know, general missionary uh, or missions or um, you know, cling to what's familiar is, is like a natural human tendency. Mm-hmm. But when you're specifically when you're going to like the boardwalk and one the cool like side story is one time John was, um, he called me. I was like, Hey, I think I actually witnessed to one of your students at Hamilton high school. Like they said that they knew of you and, and I talked to her and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And I didn't really know the girl. And then she came up to me and uh, like a few weeks into school the next year, and was like, man, I met one of your friends. He would not stop talking about that Jesus guy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's definitely John. If I didn't know the other one, I'd be like, it's John. So it's a compliment that I was like, oh, John was probably talking to you, um, which is cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think she had heard it before you talked to her. Yeah. So oh, it was good. That's, that she, awesome. Yeah. 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 that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we usually will we'll ask people like your name, like where are you from mm-hmm. or your vacation, you know, just like you just try to get to know them briefly, you know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of kids. So it's like, I'll ask them like, Hey, where, you know, where do you yeah. go to school? And you know, you're just trying to make some connections. So it's not like, uh, you know, so what are you trying to sell me? You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm just trying to have a conversation. Hey, yeah. you came up to me, What's yeah. up? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so and yeah. it's just people's natural curiosity. So it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's one approach of many, but it, it works, um, you know, in a place where like a boardwalk where, you know, people mm-hmm. are just hanging around and have time. And the good thing about boardwalk is they're generally in a good mood. 
because they're at the boardwalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They're relaxing. You know? They're not yeah. in a rush to go yeah. anywhere. They're, yeah, there's they're, no pressure. Yeah. Vacation yeah. time. They're eating fries and mm-hmm. Polish yeah. water ice and yeah. <laughs> good three brothers or two brothers and how many yeah. brothers? Pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. Do you have any questions on that, Joe? Like no, know. that was good. All right, cool. Um, so for um, worship. Yeah. So just in general, because I, I love talking to people who are r- like really think about worship a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know you do, because I mm-hmm. called you one time and asked for your um, process of picking songs. Mm-hmm. And it was a very thorough answer. Um, awesome. Good, yeah. The other ones were like, the, I talked to three others that mm-hmm. time and they were like, oh, uh, I think like it, it was nice that they, you know, they kind of just like listened to whatever and they just picked it. They just hadn't like thought formally about their mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. and you had a really kind of thought out answer. But uh, for for modern worship, it does kind of there are I don't want to say trends because it makes it diminishes what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there any things that have happened in the past like ten years that you're you think is like an awesome change in in the way worship was? Because if I listen to Michael W. Smith, it's very different from the sound we hear coming from Elevation, you know, Hillsong, Bethel, yeah. the, the big uh, Red Rock, like all these big churches. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like those changes? Do you do, do you resist any of them? Do you just mm. thoughts in general. I love it when people, I mean, I love the Maverick City worship mm. albums that are recorded in, you know, just this group setting of all these people worshiping together. Um, so that new trend, House Fire does that. Elevation has a choir on stage. I love multiple voices singing, even worshiping in the space, like creating an atmosphere, mm. like the live music that we hear now some of those songs, you can feel the anointing that was in the room mm-hmm. when you can actually listen to a song and you're like, man, I feel the presence of God that must have been there when they were recording the song. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of trends, I guess, that I'd see now. I feel like recently some of the new music is, I love it when um, an upper room does this a lot. You want people to worship in a space that they kind of going back to what you were talking about before Worship in a way that they're so on fire for the Lord that they have to share it once they leave. Like that's what worship is. Even though our worship is for the Lord, because they just have, they just had had such an intimate experience in worship and just like a beautiful moment with the Lord. Like I can't leave here and not tell people how good God is. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where I see some of the new music happening, especially when, yeah, worship is just wild and crazy and beautiful and free um, and spontaneous and really connects, you know, the trend of really spontaneous worship and being in the spirit and worshiping in the spirit and along with the Lord, um, those kind of, you know, new models of worship are, yeah, I think beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because as a worship leader, spontaneous is something you want to leave room for, mm-hmm. but it cannot be the foundation for the whole set. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to have some order. So, yes. yeah. so it's, it's interesting. How do you build in, like, do you have a certain like relationship with your band where you can be like, all right, one more time, like, and go into it. If the spirit's leading you to the chorus another time or go into another song again, yeah. do you like build that in or do you just, you guys are so tight that it just kind of out. It's an outflow. No, we have to practice that. But I actually told the team the other day to the worship leaders, you're the tour guide. So say we're visiting the Coliseums, you know, all the information you've been in this song, you've been here a million times, you're telling them all about it. And then they get to experience it. Then you release them into the song and then you can bring them back with whatever beautiful magic, you know, you've experienced or have something on your magic. That felt weird to say, but beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful moment in the song. So I like it when worship leaders, um, sandwich a song well 
when they prep and say like, this song is, you know, a song of invitation to the Lord, let's worship into it. And then at the end, giving them space, encouraging the worship leaders to like, where do you feel like the church would want to go after this back to the bridge? Like, why? Okay. Let's go back there. You know, encourage, what will they need? Like maybe a word to lift up their hands or, you know, let's, in, let's lead them. Well, let's mm. take them on this tour and this beautiful song. So. Yeah. I would say that's like, Whenever I'm, whenever I heard good worship set, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Is that they're thought out well? Mm-hmm. Like, look, not not necessarily because one thing we started doing like uh, in January is like having worship scripture read in between like one song or another, and it's it's helped a lot just because one, it's usually a scripture that the pastor is probably going to be speaking on, mm-hmm. which is why the songs are selected that they are right mm-hmm. generally because mm-hmm. we know what chapter is going to be in next, mm-hmm. and then from there like pulling that scripture in and letting the congregation know. Because like um, like Joe and Cole are part of like the leadership team on the on for worship, like so they can take credit for it. And I can't, but like <laughs> they, they, I just know the process of what they're thinking is that they want it to seem like one continual message through the sermon. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's it's been effective at least from what I've seen. Our congregation is like, <laughs> it's not like the worship ends. Okay, so we can stop worshiping now. Mm-hmm. Now it's just here passively. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all part of yeah. serving God and and yeah, one and that, continuous and that can thing. be done really beautifully. Like I know at Hillsong they. In Elevation 2, they just keep playing throughout, so you don't actually lose that moment. It's not like announcements, offering, you know. It's just mm-hmm. a continuous mm-hmm. time of worship. Um, but, yeah, that's – we're not there yet. Well, that, <laughs> we, yeah, that really comes down to, like, the sound of media team, like, just yeah. to be able to, you know, to turn mm-hmm. everybody down. They're still playing light, but, like, turn everybody back. It's got to be yep. the whole mm-hmm. – So many moving pieces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's Yeah, are there – so one thing I've – we were talking about in, like, our third or fourth or something um, – episode was about worship and, and like certain trends that were, uh, we were happy about. And a couple of them we've talked about, like the way I, when I asked Joe, I think what his all time favorite worship song was or something, you made the comment that, um, you think that modern worship now is the closest thing that you think heaven would be singing. Mm. But yeah, but that, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I said that, but that's, (laughs) that was one thing. Oh, we're talking about what I like still. I don't know. Cause you're okay. So I think. How modern worship is now, just the style of it, where it's very, like, pad-driven, mm-hmm. thunderous drums, mm. um, you know, then by the middle of song, the full band's in, and then it ends with pads again. Like, it just sounds a lot more like what I would have, and this could be completely off, but, like, it sounds like what I imagined heaven to be, mm. whereas opposed to, like, 1995 Chris Tomlin on a guitar and a cajon. It's like, mm, it just doesn't, t- <laughs> it just doesn't take, the lyrics are beautiful still, <laughs> but it just didn't take me there as much as, like, mm. you know, a big, very, like, pad, like, em- it's a lot, songs are a lot more empty musically and like there's they're filled in with like pads and space like you know what i mean and it's meant to like mm-hmm. for you to kind of like think about what you're doing and I, but the, the connection i was trying to make to that though is what you said about the multiple voices and you could hear yeah. the congregation mm-hmm. yeah. it's kind of like the angelic choir like coming yeah. up and like not that they i know michael is michael w smith always used choirs or often did in his mm-hmm. songs differently mm-hmm. it was always like uh i don't know it was just different and um I don't know. That was the connection I made because it does seem like that's they're on the track. You can hear the congregation of fifteen thousand people. Yeah, in a stadium mm-hmm. singing. Like I guess they have those drop mics down, or I don't mm-hmm. know how they're doing it. Yeah, I, it's just to me, it's just so like it changed so drastically. And it, this where we're at right now, musically, seems to be like more like what I always imagined him to be like, mm-hmm. as opposed to like strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait. It's like that's like, I don't know. Like, you know, I just I just, I just doesn't then we're take waiting it. upon the Lord in heaven. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like it's just a weird. There's there's so many people like upset with that comment that's right fun. now. <laughs> that's my favorite song. Yeah, email Adam Prime at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
P R I M E. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Like, just the it's not the leader, it's the voices around it yeah. that like yeah. are actually making mm-hmm. that worshipful moment. Sound wise, it's like ethereal, right? Yeah, like, that's, that's the word I used a couple yeah, episodes. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's that like heavenly mm-hmm. sound, if you will. But um, like biblically, I mean, it's more of that choir aspect in terms of, mm-hmm. and not like super structured more you know like hymnals can be or or chorus but like like the sound like you know the live audience of people singing right mm-hmm. so it's like it's way bigger than a performance of ways bigger than just the lead singer right um and that's uh i mean that's the power of of music you know it draws people in um mm-hmm. so and worship draws people you know towards the creator mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah and and so i guess the follow-up would be when you're picking a song, do you listen to it for its theological standpoint? Like, there, have mm-hmm. there you don't have to name the songs, but have there ever been any that you're like, I don't think that has a lot of value? Mm-hmm. There have been. Oh some? yeah, okay, of course, yeah. Okay, so what's like your? Do you have like a litmus test other than the, like I know the Bible should be your litmus yeah. test for the whole thing, but yeah. like you have like a tuned ear for ah, that's more biblically emotional this, or biblically. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think, and there's other resources too that like rate songs now, and they're you know mm. they go through it. Is this not only is this biblically based, is this good for a first time visitor? It, will they oh, wow. even understand what's going on or will this just be mm-hmm. wacky? You know, so yeah, you, you have to look at it from all those different angles. And even though this person might say, you know, I love this song, it still doesn't sit well with me. It just mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes my gauge too. Yeah. Because <laughs> the spirit would be giving you the Amen. confirmation yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. And then you just have to trust. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, I don't like that song because I said so. Yeah, you can get over it. <laughs> I felt like the Lord told me it's not the one. And so. they can't argue with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so I've been to your church a few times and mm-hmm. I, I've I've loved it every time I've gone. I noticed that you guys have a pretty diverse population, a, a diverse congregation um, from young to old, from different ethnicities and everything. Was that because of where you guys are geographically or did you guys as a church, and you guys can both answer this, but did you try to foster that or did it just come and you adapted to it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think here in the States, it's something that has to be fostered. I don't think it's very mm-hmm. natural here in our country and, and how, you know, historically things have been and, and even where, you know, chur- churches are. So it's, I mean, part of it is geographically. We're in between, um, you know, our, our state's capital and um, wealthy suburbs. I mean, we're Princeton sandwiched. University. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're sandwiched in between Princeton and and the surrounding suburbs there, and then Trenton. Mm-hmm. So, um, so part of it's that, but you know, it was a traditionally Baptist church. So, you know, only a few decades ago, it was you know mostly older people. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and families, but uh, I think, you know, our our um, late pastor, you know, he came in and do you know what year, like 90s or something, mid-90s mm-hmm. maybe, um, and he, you know, he totally, it was a game changer. You know, they, they redid the building uh, within the past 20 years, and they redid the worship sanctuary, right? So it's, they went from, you know, natural lighting, baptismal pool, like a more traditional Baptist sanctuary to you know, um, artificial lighting, a stage kind of altar, um, like stadium seating. So it was, it was I, just in that. And I, you know, wasn't around for that, but I know that that's been like a, a big shift. I think like Bill Hybels and uh, Willow, what is that? Willow Creek. Like they started a lot of that in the nineties of that kind of, what we would, 
describe as more like modern worship in church. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it, it would have, it had to be fostered. And I think they, you know, they hired a, a pastor, um, who's young and of color. And I think, you know, he brought a much different element of diversity and it's representation, right? If people look at the people who are leading and it's all homogenous, that's what you're going to attract. If it's heterogeneous, you know, you're going to attract a lot more diversity. Um, so those are just a few, few things. Mm. We are very purposeful in making sure that okay. it's diverse, like on stage on Sunday mornings, making sure that if our team is predominantly white, that someone of color would be doing like the announcements or something like that. Like we are definitely, even in our, in our, um, in our like song choices too, we're really trying to make sure we have different genres and trying to go to different languages, like the Haitian, you know, choir mm -hmm. breakdown. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very purposeful. So, but you can do that when there's a you know diverse church, right? Like that doesn't come off like a, a we're selectively picking. I mean, mm -hmm. but you have to be intentional, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when you have a diverse church, like there are people who are, you know, um, who can get up there and speak to the congregation. Um, multiple people of different, you know, any identifier you want to use, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that it becomes a little bit more like you have that. When you don't have that, like how do you, you know, how do you seek to become diverse? And it, you got to consider like where you are, right? Mm -hmm. Like the demographics of your community. Um, and then think about like what are, are, are there certain things that are just preferences that we don't necessarily have to do, but have just been doing traditionally. And does that turn people away, so to speak, you know? Um, so. Yeah. I mean, for, for our church, we're Hamilton is predominantly Italian and then it has a subset of um, Hispanic. Mm. It's basically the two main populations in, in Hamilton and they're both predominantly Catholic. Mm. And so it's interesting because we uh, predominantly uh, white church. Um, and, you know, we're trying to thinking about different ways to diversify, but thinking about the Hispanic population, um, they mostly speak Spanish as the primary language and they're going to want to worship and hear a sermon in Spanish. And there are churches that are doctrinally sound that teach and worship in Spanish in our, in our town. They have Spanish churches. So it's, it's in your, like the thought process is like, yeah, we'd love to make it diverse and really represent, you know, the kingdom uh, from, in not one fashion, but at the same time, there's not really a point in us just starting to sing songs in Spanish when they can go to a church that does it really well that, yeah. you know, where the pastor speaks in Spanish, you know, so it's interesting, like, is it at that point, I would say the diversity would be a secondary goal. Cause you just want to plug everybody into the church that they need to, they need to be in, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the one that I think they could worship in best. And so it's, it's a, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, I don't even know where I, I don't even have like formal thoughts on it. Cause if you're, if you're in a situation where you have those diverse populations coming in, it would make complete sense to have that represented in the church. Cause you want to empower everybody equally, you know? Yeah. But if you don't, I don't know where you go from that. You know, yeah. go from there, you know? I mean, you know, sometimes it's generational too. Like there, you know, there can be a lot of people who, you know, their, their grandma is an immigrant, came over here, grew up in that kind of church setting, but you know, her kids or her grandkids are, that's not the type of church that, you know, they'd, they'd rather go to a more modern service. That's not mm -hmm. necessarily all in Spanish, you know? So it's, sometimes it's just a generational thing. Um, our church, we have, 
to modern services, um, more, you know, I guess contemporary, right, mm -hmm. would be the That's term. The mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have a more traditional, um, like, chapel service, you know. And so, I mean, you, you see a huge, you know, generational just age difference there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily... Uh, not necessarily a race gap, so to speak, you know, like um, it's more of just people who've grown up in that, that environment of, you know, they want to sing hymns. They want a more structured service. Um, they don't want loud music and lights and all. So what is that? It's just a preferential thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so being able to, to provide that, it's been, been great. Can't say that that, that service is necessarily growing. It may not be the future, but you know, at least, at least you can provide that so that it's not like all those people who love the church and the community have to go to like a Methodist church who's doing a more traditional service or, you know, they don't have to go somewhere else, you know? Um, so I think that's something nice about our church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I noticed was unique right when I walked in for the first time. Uh, but I'll How never did it make you feel when you besides just the fact that it's unique? What do you mean? Like how the church make you feel as a yeah. whole? Like being around a diverse group of people. Oh, doing. it was it was great. Yeah. I mean, I, I at that point I was working at Trenton Central High School, um, so it, I was used to being the minority for most mm -hmm. of my uh, life experience. Um, because at TCNJ, I would say like I, I felt the minority in most groups I was I was in. I was I was like I, I attended the Black Student Union for like nice. so I was like I was in, yeah. in, when I was in college I was like I was a minority most of the time, and if not like in our Christian group it was mostly like South Korean. Filipino. There's a lot of, um, yeah. You know. I mean, we went to a very diverse college. Yeah, and Adam and I were in intentionally diverse, you know, mm -hmm. situations. Yeah, um, communities really. Yeah. So, um, it didn't feel different because mm -hmm. of that. You know, because of that background. Mm -hmm. But I remember the very first time I I went, your uh, worship leader um, went in. He was doing uh, the pastor talked about sign seal delivered first. <laughs> And then he went on and sang, um, "Sign seal delivered, I'm yours." The the dude, do you remember that? Like and then the, they and yeah. then they played the song at the end as everybody's walking out. Everybody's like clapping, and oh, it was that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I just remember that specifically. I think I think yeah, I think I can remember that now too. He was a guy that it was a dude that played guitar. That's all I remember. He was the guy that, that spoke. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. So what? Um, all right, John. Question. So for when you were in China, because you went for two years. Year and a half. Yeah, it was it was a two year, you know, journey so to speak. Um, okay. But no, I, like, I was in the country for three semesters. Okay. Yeah. So when you were going to go, you came and spoke to our our twenty something group, and he told us about what your plan was, and you know, let us know like you wouldn't be able to communicate that much with us about what was going on because the threats there. Um, what I guess the question is just pretty general, but. What did you notice about the church there as opposed to the church here? Like, did you see like growth? Because I know usually when I was it is it was this wrong fact, but like China has one of the fastest growing churches, yeah, or yeah, number yeah. of yeah. Christians. Like, yeah. do you did you notice like anything about how lazy <laughs> the American church is and how we don't evangelize, or is it just the fact that they're so persecuted that the Bible's just flourishing underneath that, or is anything on that vein? Yeah, I mean, just like. Uh... <laughs> like a broad view, if you will, um, you know, just historically, right? Like, you know, we've had churches in America for centuries. Um, 
and in China as well, but they've had a, you know, um, um, a, I'll just say poor, not in terms of economically, but like they've had some bad experiences with missionaries coming in and trying to take over, you know? Um, so they've had uh, a lot of, you know, sour, um, experiences as well as, you know, um, power controls with, you know, Japan and other nations, you know, um, trying to invade. So it's like, you know, once they became a communist nation, you know, became very focused on, you know, that regime and, and all that. So, I mean, you've had Christians there for centuries, you know, but in terms of our modern understanding, um, you know, once China opened up, um, you know, they, they allowed a lot more, you know, foreign influence, so to speak, because you're allowing, you know, um, health organizations and, and all this stuff. So by virtue, you're going to have some, you know, influence in terms of different ideas and stuff. Obviously, as a communist nation, they try to squash that, but like they they opened up to the world. And so, you know, world and different ideas came in. And um, with that, you had a spread of Christianity. Um, and um, a lot of that began like in, you know, in villages and, you know, house churches. Um, but then with globalization, you have these big, big cities, right. With a lot of foreigners. Um, so, you know, they, they started basically like a state sponsored church, right. So there are, you can go in China, you can, you can find churches, like they might not typically look like a, you know, European style church, but like, there's going to be some buildings that are clearly a church, uh, but they're state sponsored, which means they're very organized and a lot more control, you know, <laughs> that's something that we, it's kind of foreign to us, you know, cause we have a separation of church and state. Um, but you could think of it as some of, you know, some churches that are aligned themselves very politically, you know, um, and they, say certain things i'm talking about in america now that say certain things or have certain speakers Mm -hmm. um or try to leverage certain things uh for political power gain i mean that's it's kind of no different in some ways that's Um, a good point but uh so not all of those state-sponsored churches are necessarily like a bad church like it's not necessarily that they're like not theologically but it's you know there is some sort of there can be a lot of coercion so that's probably not like if I were to, when I was in China, like I wouldn't recommend like, oh yeah, go to this, this church, you know? And we didn't really know of a whole lot of churches, you know, it was more of like our Chinese staff that, you know, would connect the students because they might be going to a home church that's secretive. They might be going to, you know, and that's called the underground church. So when you hear that term, it's just basically non-state sponsored, non-state sponsored. Oh, okay. yeah. that's um, so they're not necessarily like underground and huts. Like it's not like, <laughs> Super, it can be for sure, especially in um, rural areas. Um, But in the city, it just might be a, might be in a strip mall, you know, and it might be a place that's just, they're not registered with the government. Um, And there's always that toe in the line of, of getting figured out, so to speak. But at the same time, if they're not rustling anyone's feathers, like, you know, the authorities kind of, you know, turn their head. So Mm. it's a dance, so to speak. Um, not every Christian is persecuted in China. Um, and, uh, it's, it's definitely a place that's, that's ripe because people are searching. Um, people want to know the truth. 
Um, people are curious. I mean, for me, being a foreigner and having student college students, I mean, they were just curious. They wanted to ask me questions, and you know, there's, you know, I, I could answer freely um, because they asked me a question. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the street holding a sign trying to evangelize. That would not go over no. well, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, I, I think on on one hand. Americans typically think of China as like a super persecuted place. It's not fully true. It's not like over there you can't share the gospel and stuff. Um, there's far worse countries mm. um, where, you know, murder and violence is right there, you know. But China being on the world stage, you know. They... And, in, and in like relativity to America, it's definitely more persecuted. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I think that's absolutely. why we just experience little to none here. So whenever we hear about web blockers blocking we're like wow you know <laughs> that's gotta be crazy yeah you know when in other countries they're dying yeah mm -hmm. yeah sorry what was the question again no just that was like, good just... I, just, I just honestly anything about the okay. church comparison between the yeah. two yeah yeah so it was i mean i had to learn a lot about it right because you got to know the context in which mm. you're serving it um but i did have the opportunity to go to a church um and it was in beijing and they had like you could go as a foreigner you know so there, there are churches, especially in the cities, where it's like more of like a, it's a foreigner church. Um, so it's like sometimes they'll check your passports, or like you have to be a like non-Chinese citizen. But a lot of those churches, they'll let Chinese nationals in. Mm. Now, you know, that's a big risk on that, you know, on the nationals' part, right? Because if they get found out, you know, that could that you know that could they could face a level of persecution. Are they going to get picked up during the night? Probably not necessarily, but are they going to get questioned by the police? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a pastor, you know, who's, and this, this has happened, this has been the news. If it's a pastor who's speaking out, um, like, yeah, they'll, they'll just take you and you might never be found again, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I know people who've, who've been, you know, who've been taken in by the police and questioned. We, we've had staff members who've been, mm -hmm. um, you know, questioned. Um so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, man. I, I remember like some people who wanted to, you know, get connected with us or wanted us to do the type of, um, I would say ministry stuff we were doing. Obviously, it wasn't publicized that, but like, we'd have to feel them out. You know, it wasn't like this. Uh, oh, sure. You know, it's like you gotta test the waters a little bit. Like, is this person? Do they know we're Christians? You know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember some times where. It was like they kind of figured us out, and it's like, oh, is this going to be an issue, or do they just like kind of not care? Like, oh, yeah, you're Christians. Well, you're foreigner, of course you must be Christian. You know, yeah. you're from America. You're all Christians. You know, um, just like we paint that brush with China. Oh, they're all communists. They're all you know red. Yeah. You know, so mm. um, so well, some of it's just the, they they just assume. So so within within the church in China, like any of the churches you attended, do how do they often speak? From the pulpit, do they speak about anything politically at all as far as, like, are they, they ever talk about anti-communism or do they talk about, like, or do they just strict gospel from the pulpit? Like, Yeah, well, so so that would be, like— I can't like, imagine sitting well. No, yeah, I like, mean, actually, I don't know what they said at all. It's a great question. Um, I didn't have a translator. No, I, I only went to one actual—well, two, but it was one church, and it was a, a foreign foreigner church. Mm. So— um, so I never, we didn't do, we didn't do church. Um, be, well, let me rephrase that. We met together as a team 
and we had a church service, right? Mm-hmm. Like we would listen um, to Matt Chandler and we'd put on some worship songs, right? That's that's church. We're mm-hmm. two or more are gathered. I mean, Matty C. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, side note, I got to like run in. I ran into him intentionally. I mean, I wanted to try and get his ear at a conference, and I told him like, man, I was in China serving as a missionary. Like, you were my pastor, man. I'd, I'd listen oh, and cool. tune in, and I wrote him like a little note, gave him a little gift, and. Funny thing is, he's like, man, that's awesome. That's great to hear that. Um, you know, he has a sister or sister-in-law who's like serving there, you know? So he has some, And then he know, was relation. like, yo, check out this podcast called Encounter. <laughs> yeah, you right. should listen to it. That's what Matt <laughs> yeah, said, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah. So to Joe's point, like, no, those state-sponsored churches are no. never going to say anything politically. A house church? Sure. Not like an underground church? Sure. Um but those, uh, like the the churches in the cities that have like uh, foreigners and stuff, like, I mean, it was. I felt very much like it would, it would be like a church, just like in a city in America. To be honest, you know, um, the big difference was is when I went, they were sending because there was a lot of families that came for business, right? So you have a bunch of people from all over the world, and the kids were all going to like a, you know, like an American church or like an international, um, not church school, so. That was very different. Like they were sending all these family back to their home countries, you know, mm. after working there or serving there, whatever reason they were there. So I was like, huh, this is interesting. But it makes sense, right? You're in a, like an international city. Um, I'm sure if you go to some, you know, like a New York City-based church, like I'm sure you'd have that similar, maybe, maybe not. We're not great at hosting foreigners. Mm. Like there are, there are legitimate mm. statistics. Like foreign students at colleges, like – rarely if ever have they ever been invited into an american's home mm. just crazy like when i've traveled and been places like i've had nothing but hospitality by people who don't even know christ mm-hmm. like mm. there was more hospitality in china which is weird too because like asian cultures they're not very you know personable and you know huggy and all that stuff but like one of my greatest uh relationships with one of my neighbors you know he was more like buddhist you know, it, like he was more open, like Buddhist ideas. Um, but, you know, he invited me over all the time. I hung out with his family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also it, think that's just in general. We're not like in, in America. We just we have our friend group. and that's pretty, Like we're not neighborly either. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, yeah. at least I'm not, I, I haven't said a single word to my neighbors unless they walk into my yard when I'm cutting the lawn. Like we're just Why not. Would they be doing that? that surprises <laughs> me that they even come to your yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, and that, they would just look. Yeah, well, it's a different story. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it's, I think we're just pretty much like we. Everybody's got their their family and their friend group, and then it's, they, everybody stays to themselves, kind of in America. And I think the reason for that is is we don't need our neighbors for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I, like yeah. you used to have to share resources. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Water, yeah. salt, sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's made. I, I. I should I mean I don't I can't think of a scenario where I'm gonna need to ask for something other than like maybe another pandemic and we're locked down and I need food or something like that but you know but I, yeah I mean my reason for not doing that isn't because I feel like I have it I just don't want to be a burden to anybody that's yeah. that's legitimately well, what it is like so my neighbor has a fully functioning lawnmower that I could just borrow and he's they've literally said it a million times like oh if you just want to use our lawnmower you can but I always go get my dad's put it in my back of my Jetta drive it over to my house I just yeah. don't want to be over you know it's like mm. so it's not that no I know what you, you mean know, I, like, I meant in general though part of that, that that big social distinction between being really tight knit with your neighbors like just full of transparency my mom is much more dependent on our, her neighbors right now than she had been in the past because when my dad passed yeah, away yeah. it was like mm. 
the the things when if I'm not, if I can't get over there and like she needs mm-hmm. her lawnmower started, she goes and asks her wonderful neighbor who'll come over and start it for her, you know. And so just like small things like that. Mm-hmm. Is but that's when, also she's also from the generation where it used to be like that. True. True. I think it's starting to change now that we're we all have house and stuff now. It's like that's when it's starting to like mm-hmm. nobody talks it. But like you know, it's just you have to push yourself to do that. Because they actually like I just thinking about the lawnmower, like your neighbor probably really does want to do something nice for you and let you use his lawnmower. You're like, ah, sure. I don't want to bother him. I don't but I'm, also thinking, to him. I'm also thinking like longevity too. Like if I break his and I got to pay for it, I don't got to pay for my dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. like something like that. It's like, yeah. I'm thinking, it's, it has nothing to do with it. I don't want to talk to him or anything. Right. It's just, yeah. Yeah. There's something about like self-sufficiency that's so ingrained in mm-hmm. our culture because even like, like family wise, like a lot of other cultures, like in China, I mean, they're the family, like you're dependent on the family, right? It's like you, you live with generations in your house. Us not not so much, you know. So we we're always like and like same same point, right? Like between both Adam and, and Joe, I think it's like that self sufficiency. Like, no, I can I should be able to do this on my own, or I'm gonna go the extra mile and do it on my own, so I'm not a burden to someone else. Um, yeah. So, you know, but all that to say, there's you know, there's a thriving church in China. Um, yes, it's persecuted, but that doesn't mean that you know the Lord's not moving. In fact, the Lord's moving way a lot in china and all unfortunately all we hear from the headlines is because most of us just you know we you know if you don't have skin in the game right like i didn't know anything about china and the church there until you know the lord led me there um but most americans just think it's like churches getting knocked down all the time and Mm. pastors getting kidnapped and you know Mm. But no, there's amazing ministry there. So I, I, I do have a follow-up question to the one question I asked you yeah. about the politics from the pulpit or whatever. The only reason why I asked that is because um, the guy who started Voice of the Martyrs, on the Pastor uh, Richard, I'm going to butcher his last name because huh? it's huh? Was it Voice of the Martyrs? No, no. What's the what's say the pastor's name? Richard, and then his last name is like I don't know how to say it in Romanian, but like Vermbrand or something like that. Um, that's how he ended up getting persecuted. Was mm-hmm. not you know not like. When we say politics from the pulpit, we think here like left or right, mm-hmm. conservative. No, it wasn't like that. He was just saying communism was on the rise in Romania, and he was saying communism will, communism will never save you. No political party will ever save you. Right. Only Jesus Christ will save right. you. And he said that from the pulpit, and then he was persecuted, tortured for 14 years. Uh, and then he ended up starting Voice of the Martyrs, yeah. the magazine, and everything. So if communism – that's what I'm saying. Do any of them just speak out against like – but like you said, I guess a lot of Chinese don't even agree with communism, so it's – yeah, I mean, they're kind of like, it's, you know, they're not encouraged to talk about politics. So, uh, you know, like talking to a college student there, um, I felt sometimes like it, I'm not, well, there's a lot of factors, right? They're not English speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, You're coming in from the outside. It's a weird yeah. look. Yeah, I get that. So, I get that. But I'm talking about, so I'm talking about like a Chinese pastor. Like, basically what I'm asking you is like, do you think they should, I mean, that would definitely heighten persecution, but it would also make moves. Like, should I you think mean, they should like you know should should pastors have uh you know spoken up against cattle slavery in the U.S. Absolutely, right? right so, right. so what's what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, should they? I mean, that that's the tricky thing, right? Because it's like, yeah, you're gonna bring persecution, but you you have this thriving ministry, so it's like it's towing the line, so to speak. Yeah, like, yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like, what's the greater good? You know. Does the Lord want me to be, you know, this revolutionary or mm. to care for this flock that's in front of mm-hmm. me? So, you mm. know, it's, I mean, there are pastors. I mean, you look them up where they've, they've penned letters or they've, um, 
been persecuted for speaking up and I mean, you should, but there's kind of this, like you can, you can have ministry there without having to do that, you know, like, well, here's, I mean, cause I was thinking the thing you said that I keyed in on was that I'll remember in a second that it is difficult for them to talk about. So state sponsored churches, there are almost similar to how here when like certain churches attach themselves to state purposefully. Well, that, I mean, here it's be willfully there. Yeah. yeah, That's what I'm saying. They choose to attach it, which is, I think is powerful to say that in, you know, they're in the same way that they're almost sponsored. There's certain churches that are entering into that bondage here. Mm. Um, And I do think that that is true. A couple, a few episodes ago, we had an ex veteran talking about, um, that's an ex veteran or veteran. Veteran? Well, he's just a veteran. Yeah. Just a veteran. He's he's back in the military. <laughs> uh, no, he's a veteran. Um, and he was uh, talking about Christian nationalism and how it's he went through a journey of of he he ended up not losing like the the function of the lower half of his body. So he literally gave his life for our country, and then mm-hmm. ha- having to realize and detach the idea of like our country can still be good, but it's not the kingdom I'm here fighting for anymore. Right. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. good. And it's it was powerful to hear someone say that that actually lost something. Mm for the cause that some of us just complain about. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, you know, here we then attach ourselves to a political party, I do believe, and this is my personal conviction, that pastors are required to teach the word in its entirety. And so if they teach on an, if they're reading, you know, a, a part of the Bible that touches on a topic that may be politicized at the moment, that is not their job to skip it because it's politicized. Mm-hmm. It's their job to preach the word and what it says specifically. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't believe, and this is another personal opinion, that pastors should be attaching themselves to pol- uh, politicians. Mm. I don't believe at all that from the pulpit, they should be talking about politicians and saying like, go vote, like enabling people yeah, to go absolutely. do things, talking that, about biblical issues. Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, I would never, I would never, but what do you, what do you feel about somebody saying like, just to say we were communists, you know, I, obviously we're not saying, Oh, you're a Christian, you should be for Trump. Oh, you're a Christian, you should be for Biden. We're not saying anything like that. I'm yeah. just saying, like, mm-hmm. if if there was a political system put in play that people were believing in, do you think a pastor should say, like, this nothing is gonna save you except for Jesus Christ? I, That's what he did, and he ended up mm-hmm. getting persecuted for 14 mm-hmm. years for. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much it should constitute every message, but I don't know how you avoid it. You know, and like, Yeah, yeah. That's you know, kind of what I, I'm saying. If, if you're like, avoiding it, then it's like you're almost they're controlling what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then are you really, then are you really like, how do you preach a uh, message on the freedom in Jesus Christ when your people are in bondage in front of you, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not not going to take one pastor who, you know, speaks against communism. I mean, communism is not going anywhere in China and their, their communism is a little bit different, you know, than textbooks, so to speak. But there are, you know, I just, I can only speak from my experience, right? So like we've had students there who were selected to, to pretty much be start grooming for the the party. Um, so they have to take this class in college and they have to become, you know, a party member. And then, but I mean, for, for a lot of people, that's like a, a, a ticket to, you know, uh, a lot. Life. Yeah. Like the good life. Yeah. It's a ticket to the good life in, in China. Like, you know, the government's going to basically take care of you. You know, do they? I mean, you know, that's the, you know, like, but that's the, that's the promise. Right. But these are, you know, students that will have a job, you know, 
uh, working for the government. And that's like, man, that's gold over there. So we've had students who have had to um, make that decision. Are you going to live for Christ or are you going to live for the state? The state. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I never walked th- with through that with, with any students in particular, but I know a lot of my, my coworkers have over there. I can imagine a, a pastor, though, to his yeah. point, preaching on that decision. That would be an effective sermon to hear as a student who has to decide between church and state. Yeah, it would be. And I mean, I've, I, I'm, I can imagine that sermon has been preached, or at least that conversation yeah. has, had, has mm-hmm. been had. I know our Chinese staff has definitely had those conversations um, with students, you know, um, but it's, yeah, but that's, I mean, that was my experience. It was very personal, relational mm. ministry. Um, you know, I knew of some, some churches and I knew of actually another a professor at, at the school who was actually a believer and he just had his own, him and his wife just had their own little ministry of like inviting students over, you know, for a dinner and they'd have fellowship, and that was that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it didn't necessarily have to be like, okay, we got to go attend, you know, a church. Like, it's all you say for, hey, come over for dinner, you know, and... and it's the Acts 2 church, more mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking yeah. bread, meeting Absolutely. Um, you know, and some of those things, like, everything's surveilled, you know? So, like, there were times when, you know, we uh, another school that we were at... Um, they kept having Bible study like the same night and the same time. So eventually the, um, these college dorms have like a security guard and sometimes, and sometimes or like a overnight person. And sometimes it's, um, you know, older woman or an older gentleman. And, um, they kind of like clean the place, take care, you know? Um, and sometimes they would, you know, they'd notice and they'd say something. You know, they start asking like the teachers, why, like, why are you here on a Wednesday night? You know, or the, mm. or the students come into another dorm, like, what do you know? So those patterns and stuff, like those are the things you, I mean, none of us would ever think about, oh, I mean, yeah. I have a Bible study every Monday night. We have people over a house. Like nobody's going to say anything about that. Right. Yeah. But over there, someone would, if someone noticed a gathering, they, they start asking questions or report it because, you know. They're they're very they're more heightened about like people, you know, gathering. Um, so yeah, stuff we just don't have to, we take for granted. Yeah, like American privilege, literally mm-hmm. not having to think about those things. Yeah, so a lot of churches there, like the underground, the un you know, the ones that aren't um, connected with the government. Like if they increase in size, I mean, because there's some there's like 300, 400, like a thousand, like you know, like they'll try to intentionally break up you know, start meeting other, like, you know, mm. just because they don't want to get noticed, so to speak. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of times it's almost better to, you know, to not be such a political church, so to speak, in terms of, like, them speaking against the atrocities. But at the same time, like, how do you – I would imagine administering in China, like, how do you minister to, for me, college students who – they know nothing about Tiananmen Square. They know nothing mm. about like China's atrocities, right? Well, but but then again, like, how do you? It's, it's not so different preaching to uh, or you know ministering to a, a college student who, you know, like doesn't really understand like America's faults. And it's like mm. we're the superhero of the world. It's like yeah, we're a great nation, but like, like to your point, like America isn't the savior, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Being a career politician isn't necessarily the good life. Like it's not going to make you 
um, more favor in God's eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I found one litmus test for pastors that I like to listen to. They dread talking about politicized issues when they do, and they take a lot of prayer and they're very stressed out, stressed out about it before they do. Yeah. The pastors that go out of the way to go outside of the text to mention them are the mm-hmm. ones that it, normally I don't see around for too long. I'm going to spend most of the time on the hot button issues. Like you're in Genesis and all of a sudden you have like a, like a 45 minute trans sermon and you're like, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about the creation of the universe. Like, why are you going off in this tan- tangent? Mm-hmm. Um, which w- there may be monicums of truth in what you're saying, but like you are deciding what meaning to pull out of the, you know, and, and, and imputing what you want to be said instead of yeah. pulling it out. And right. that's why I, I think expository is so drastically important in today's day and age because um, of that reason. But so on a, on a more personal note from you guys, so um, you serve full-time ministry, and mm-hmm. John, you end up teaching a secular, secular public school, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a, a, a dynamic I've never seen before, oh. <laughs> right? So I'm sure that there are, it, it does exist, but what is that, how's that like, like being married and one of you? I've, I've seen it both ways, you know? Yeah. Um, it's probably usually the other way around, where the husband would be in full-time ministry and the I wife guess. would be a teacher. Yeah, I mean, and even the models that I have seen that way is usually, and just from what I've seen, the pastor's wife has a very small part-time job or or serves in ministry with her husband mm-hmm. in it. Is it hard to find time? Like, how do you balance like being married and because I know your job, just because I know the nature of church, is probably most late at nights, mm-hmm. and he has off at night and like you know working during the day. Like, how have you guys found that balance and made that work? It's been hard. We've been married mostly during the pandemic. So okay. <laughs> we've been home a lot. All we've known <laughs> is each other in our house and our couch and our Netflix account now. No. Um, I mean, it's it's different. Like, again, Emily said, like, I'm not a pastor. So she's not a pastor's wife. And mm. she's not a pastor. And I'm not a pastor's husband. That would sound weird. I don't even know if that term exists. But like anyway. first lady kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... And, and I've always been in ministry, not full, not necessarily full yeah, time yeah. or necessarily. I didn't like mean to distinguish so. it like you're not doing ministry. I'm just saying yeah. paid yeah. full time. Yeah, no. Yeah, so yeah. it's, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I have a job, but then I also have like church responsibilities. So for someone, because I'm so involved in the church and have been, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh, for me, I think for me, it's been trying to figure out, okay, what can I commit to and what I can't like. You know, before that, I'd want to commit to everything. You know, I'd want to serve as much as possible. Now I'm like, all right, I have my time is limited, you know, and I've got, you know, priorities now and responsibilities, you know, married, house, full time job, all that stuff. So the um, dream, the dream, yeah, living the dream. <laughs> um, yeah, I think early on it, you know, because for me, because I've been at this church longer than, than Emily has been, um, don't brag. I feel like he's bragging. No, no, but no. like I've I've had a history, right? So I've had relationships. So like it's I've my church. The yeah. the leadership. Um, so, you know, when we got when we started dating and engaged, like that was you know that was always interesting because, um, you know, what's it going to be like when we're married and like is anything going to change or you know, for me, I think it was just and part of it was coming back from China, right? Like it was I'd have to, I was trying to find my role so to speak um you know i i didn't i, I was never just going to be like emily's husband you know to her i am right but like everyone else knows you know i've served in this done that whatever um but 
because we've been through COVID and now like our church, there's like a lot of new people and stuff, you know, like it, the church has changed, so to speak. Um, and we're, we're a couple now, right? We're married. So it's like, it's great to, to be like, Hey, yeah, my, my wife is, you know, is the worship leader or, you know, Hey, my husband's out there doing whatever, you know, it's like, mm. it's not like, it's not our roles necessarily. It's just, this is my wife, team. you know, our team. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, I don't know if it's the time, like finding the time for each other because I, yeah, I do work at night and he works during the day, but it's, I think the more dynamic part is like woman leader and mm. you know, like trying to navigate that aspect of it and like yeah. making sure that I really encourage all the ministry that he does. Cause he is such like a, like a head to like so many different ministries and leads them well. So like, I think that's more of the, right. Like the yeah, complex think, of being in ministry full time and, yeah. you know, somewhere else. That's yeah. Time isn't an issue. Um, yeah. I'd say, you know, it's the whole gender thing, which is not really a big deal. It's more of like, you know, she has a clearly defined role and I was coming back and trying to define like, am I going to do missions? Am I going to do youth? Mm. Am I going to do, you know, go with young life full time? Like where am I going to serve and and what's that going to look like? Um, because I was part of the worship team, you know, under two previous worship leaders. Um, now so he, like refuses to play. <laughs> yeah. And now like I'm married into it. So it's like, you know, we've had those discussions of like, Oh yeah, that's the weirdest. When I'm leading rehearsal and, and he's my drummer, and you're driving and home like, and you're like, John, can you play faster? <laughs> no, it's not. During rehearsal, I'm like, hey, do you think you can like? Do it's been hard. Yeah, I yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it's been hard. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah. Because because we're in relationship, it's you know, it's the tone, it's reading each other, it's you know, it's yeah. whatever happened that day, you know. So it's like all that. Um, but it's but then it's also that like when one spouse has a clearly defined ministry, what's the role of the other spouse, right? Mm. Joining in that ministry, supporting that ministry, having their own ministry. And do, are those things like almost polar opposites in terms of like time commitments or directions or people mm. you're ministering that's to, true. you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think, you know, because I'm more involved in the church and I want to be and have been, it's not like a, it's not totally new, but it's it's been a little bit different. So I've, yeah, yeah, know. I can imagine that being tough because because Allison was asking, she's like, you should ask that question because she wanted to know like what because she has a, a tough time like deciphering for me because I I'm kind of like John where I want to have my hand in everything mm -hmm. to the point where I'm constantly because now we have a child and she needs to be supervised. So <laughs> um, if I'm doing something, she's not, and so it's like, yeah. and I want to do yeah. so much. And then every time I do, it's like I'm asking her to sacrifice every time. Like, because church yeah. ministries happen at night. So it's like, all right, can I do these three things? It's like, sure, I'll put her to bed by myself for those three nights. You know, when can I serve? When can I? And uh, trying to find that balance is, yeah. is you know, it's going to change every year for the rest of our lives because yeah. kids get older, they can mm -hmm. different responsibilities and stuff. But it's just good to hear what you no, guys are. I feel as a female director, worship director, like my heart bends for that. So I feel like, oh, I can't ask this mom to come out too many, you know, I can't ask them. They have kids. They have to be with their families. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I think that's like one thing I really struggle with just because my, oh, dad can't be gone for like four nights out of the week, you know, yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. You should talk to our worship leader. He, uh, I'm just, <laughs> he, he doesn't, doesn't care. care at all. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. care. <laughs> Holding the babies now. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think, 
like Emily, she wants me to do things with her like all the time, right? And uh, <laughs> so it's okay. a great thing. But there's times where I'm like, you know, no, like I like I've had to say no to certain things, and uh, um, and you know, there's there's stuff that I'm involved in, and you know, she doesn't necessarily have to be involved in it. But because we're at, you know, like we're our ministries are. I mean, we talk about, you know, it's just, it's our life. So mm -hmm. we just live and breathe it. So it's like, you know, she knows what's going on in my world. I know what's going on with in her world. And those worlds aren't polar opposites, you know, mm -hmm. even work related. Excuse me. Um, you know, she was a teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm a teacher. Right. So like, and we've taught in similar environments. I mean, she mm -hmm. was at a charter school as a public school, but still same, awesome. yeah. same type of kids, same, you know, so Yeah. That's been good. So for because for our kind of last topic, because I think we, honestly we could just sit back and talk for like five or six hours because there's so many. You guys, we have so many different like yeah, you know, different topics. Yeah. Like, we jump oh, from like yeah. China to worship to yeah. marriage to, yeah. um, but there are some differences between how our church handled the pandemic and how yours did, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just curious to hear like the differences because I know ours. Uh, for me, I uh, our church during that first lockdown for like a month and a half. Did like right six weeks? Did just online? When did we open back up? June, mm. June. Okay, so it was like three wow. months then, two and a half, three months, and then they opened back up in limited capacity with the precautions in place. I stayed a little longer because of my, uh, my daughter, and just wanted to be sure, and that's what we prayed about for our family. But as a whole, I have been meeting throughout the whole thing, um, and they still did the online streaming. Um, but for what we've seen in our church, and you can add or like take away whatever I'm saying, but the, our congregation has changed almost like probably half of it is different and has grown a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so like maybe like 30% more, like it's, wow. it's a decent amount. Yeah. And um, I can't even describe much because in terms of what type of the people that came when we were open came because there weren't any other churches that were. Mm -hmm. And then they liked our church and stayed. That seems to be what it was. And the people much, who, yeah. and the people who stopped coming, um, some of them are back and some still are home. Mm -hmm. And I don't know at this point if they're still home, if they're going to come back. Um, so I just don't know. But our, I've, our church... Well, I think that's the blessing and the curse of online. Yeah. Streaming online. It serves those people who have legitimate reasons, but also enables people who don't have legitimate really? reasons to stay home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of the where we are right now is, you know, we'll say at church, like if you're, yeah, if you're um, vaccinated, if you're comfortable, come on out. Um, but if you feel comfortable and just aren't choosing not to come out, like come out. Cause that's, you know, the Bible kind of calls for that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's like an awkward transition um, for those uh, having those conversations where you want to do it in love, but you also want to encourage people to grow and, and not neglect the, the gathering. Mm. So uh, where are you guys at right now? Like what's your, your process? We only opened in person in March this year. Okay. Yeah. So we were doing outdoor services um, almost all winter. So we have a giant field. So every other week we would, <laughs> it, Christmas Eve was outside. It was cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah our, the tech people, it's cold. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh, it was the worst. We'd have to bring all of our wireless mics and wireless packs and all of that stuff outside. It would take three hours to set up for a one hour service. And then, you know. That's but, service. Whew, it was bad. Yeah. Did you do so, three still? Three. No, we only had a, we only had one service, but okay. we had like, it was actually really cool. They did um, 
spray painted circles so every family had like a space to sit and mm. feel safe. And when you got to your circle, you could take your mask off. So we did that from August on until wow. Christmas. Yeah. And every other weekend we did that. It was a lot. We recorded um, that weekend too, two services. So we did a lot of recording, which was so draining. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, like we were in this spiritual warfare and we didn't know why and we didn't know how to get out of it. And we were all talking about it. Like it just feels weird. Like we wanted to worship with our brothers and sisters and they just weren't able to come. So mm. church opened in March and it's been fantastic and awesome again. You seen that you got like most of this similar congregation? No, we're probably okay. half back, but they're really investing in the hybrid church model now. So encouraging community online and okay. we do a lot. I mean, honestly, we started an online um, Bible study, which was great this year with the worship team. So we did a Bible study every mo- Monday night and that was a huge blessing. So I think Bible studies are thriving online. Um, but Sunday church, not as not thriving as much, but um, yeah, they want to still invest in it. Okay. But that whole idea of, you know, are you just not coming? Cause you're, you know, sleepy and you don't want to get out of bed and push yourself out to be in community with people or yeah. So yeah, we're just convenient. So I'll, I'll back it up a little bit. We, our church had the capability to record, right? Mm-hmm. So from like the from the beginning, so like for years, even, you know, 10 years ago, they, they record services. Wouldn't be live streamed or anything. But I remember, like, I remember they yeah. always had like the camera mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So like we had some, some of the structure, right. And yeah. then you know, the pandemic just kind of pushed it all, all in, right? So we went all in on that. Like, and they invested in it know. too. We that yeah. that year we invested a lot more into our video production. Yeah. So and the guys did a great job. Yeah, I mean, so you had people who shout who, out to Todd Perkins. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had people who like wanted and were wanted to go in that direction, and then you know you had everyone backed it because that was the only way to to do church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for a while. Um, so it was good, you know, but like from just from, you know, a spouse's standpoint, yeah, the weekends, the you know, Emily would be our, you know, we, we would have a Saturday night service and then, you know, three services on a Sunday. Now, one of them happens at the same time, but she still has to plan for all that. Right. So like typically she'd be gone pretty, like, I, I remember, you know, this is before the pandemic, like Saturday mornings we could do stuff. But by like midday Saturday till eight o'clock at night, mm-hmm. roughly, she'd be at church. And then Sunday morning from like 6 a.m. till when, you know, before pandemic, she'd get out of church maybe like close to two, mm-hmm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, I mean, if you think about it, for like mm-hmm. a teacher, like I, you know, I get to work, you know, three, four on a Friday, then I'm tuckered out. And then like Saturday, I probably wanna, you know, sleep in but I want to spend time with my wife and then the rest of the weekend, you know, she's cool. got church and stuff. Mm. I thought you were going to talk about our worship experience during COVID. Oh, I can, I can talk about that as well. <laughs> I'm just trying to set the scene of like that transition from, yeah. so then during the pandemic, it was all day recording Saturday, right? So like from first thing in the morning, Saturday till pretty much two, yeah. sometimes later than that on a Saturday, they'd be recording and doing all that. Then Sunday morning, you know, she would watch the services and every other because then we had the outdoor services. Yeah. 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 It became once we started doing out, mm-hmm. outdoors like every other week, but like that Sunday morning became her like glued to the computer, just troubleshooting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it just like, it was definitely not a typical church experience. And it honestly, 
It it was. It was for him. It was. It was for me. I mean, bad for him. I I wasn't very engaged online, and it's funny because like I told you in China, like we would sit together and watch a Chandler sermon, um, and then you know it's like, dude, I had that experience. Like, why wasn't I doing that with my wife? You know, were you were you okay? And it was more because you know part of her job, like she had a she had to sit there and watch it, you know. Um, or she was like watching other like elevation and trying to get some ideas. So it was more like it was part of her role and what she mm. was trying to learn, you know, learn by, yeah. you know, baptism by fire. We're in a pandemic and everyone's trying to figure this out. Um, but it was hard for me to worship because we're literally just staring at her on a screen. <laughs> yeah. Or I was there at the recording, you know, so yeah. it was like it was a weird thing. And I, you know, I just I didn't get into it, you mm. know, so. Um, that was kind of a dry season and, and a frustrating season. She was working hard and then throwing the outdoor services. That was a whole thing. And then it was like every other, and it was great to get together with people, but people were still spooked. So you didn't really have yeah. much fellowship. Yeah. So. But it's cool coming out of that season, hearing the testimonies of like, we just started coming to central during the pandemic, watching online mm. and, you know, yeah. now we're coming to in-person services. That was really cool. And I'm so thankful for those testimonies because it was hard. But just to hear God, like, doing outrageous things during it still, just, like, transforming lives. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it was worth it. I forgot about it already. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, and I think one of the things that COVID did, one of the very, I don't want to say, like, it's good at all. But, like, one of the things that came out of it that were, was positive was that it forced churches to catch up mm-hmm. with technology in a lot of ways. that they Because we, like, had invested, like, a, Crazy amount. It was like literally the the day that it got locked down. It was a, I think it was a Wednesday, and over three days we just transformed our sanctuary, got through together video equipment, sound equipment. We're wow. like, make it work. Yeah. And then through that we started investing and in finding different um, lighting and uh, audio and video technology to mm-hmm. put into it for when to to make it even better a better production. That took mm. us months because mm. we'd watch ourselves and then we were like, oh, this didn't sound good. Like, we need these plugins now that we never thought yeah. about before. Like, reverb was fine before, you know? But now it's like, no, they're watching so intensely and, you know, mm. you can rewatch it. it. It was just a different experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. I don't know what the, I think there is value in still doing the hybrid model. Like, because we still are too. We, we, all our sermons are live streamed and recorded mm-hmm. and posted in every Bible study on that happens in the sanctuary is recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps. It's, it's like small things. Like, if I, if I don't go to Wednesdays, I can still like watch this, uh, yeah. learn the Bible study that Brian's been going through or went through on Mondays. Um, there, I think there's incredible value in that, especially if, like, I know. You know, my mom said she's more studious than ever during the pandemic because she just came back a few months ago and she was taking notes. And like, mm-hmm. she's like, I, she said, you know, often Brian and Pastor speak really quickly and I miss a point. So this time I could pause it and go back. And she's like, I have notebooks full of information. Mm. So she saw like a lot of fruit come out of it. And I think it's valuable to maintain that. But it's also, it's, it's, it is hard not to be a little more aggressive and be like, if you can come, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we, we would love to see you in person and yeah. talk to you. Because it's really hard to, I mean, well, it's impossible. The whole point of having a gift is to use it mm-hmm. for the body. And so there's a lot of people, I believe, are wasting their gifts mm. if they can come and do it. And this was true before COVID too. So this is oh, just, yeah. I just think it's heightened a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been people that aren't using their gifts, but right now it's a little, a little worse. It's kind of like you said about Bodhi's, it reminds me of Bodhi's sermon that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're all supposed to be different parts of one body. 
you know, and what happens if the foot is at home? Watch it online now. Mm. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, and I think it says a, a few things. You can a few things you can pull out of that. One, it's that if you if you sorry, this is offensive. Just someone tell me it is. But if you aren't missed, you weren't doing enough in the first place. That's right. That's true. So if you if you haven't if no one has like been like, hey, where have you been? It's because no one noticed you were there because you just went in and left without mm-hmm. talking to anybody, mm-hmm. and you made no real connections with anyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know that it's just true, and, and so. I hope that it either encourages people to, when you go, and I know I use this metaphor a lot, but like treat church like going to the gym instead of the movies, like go and invest in the church you're in, in the ministries that are there so that if something does happen again, like your absence is notable. Yeah. Um, not that God can't replace people who are, are being pulled out when they, when the vine's trimmed, but at the same time, it should be to the point where if you're not there, there should be a hole that needs to be filled if you're not. Mm-hmm. And if there wasn't a hole, it's like, okay, well, that's that's something that we should just internalize and, and move forward with. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think the, like, small groups being on, online, um, uh, you know, I've been not only convenient, but I think helpful for a lot of people who otherwise, like, on a Wednesday night, midweek, you know, if they got young kids, like, would be less willing to come out to the church building as opposed to hopping on zoom. But even that, just like in person, like you have to foster that community and vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And part of his commitment, you know, of people coming uh, and then people opening up and being vulnerable and inviting that so that it's fruitful. Um, So I think that's been a great thing. Um, Watching church services. I mean, there's, there's some benefits to it, but that's, I don't think that's how church is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? No, it's definitely not. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where it's very consumerist and very much like, mm. oh, I can just watch this on TV, you know? But I'm like, it's so less engaging when you're just staring at a screen because that's what you do at work. It's, you know, it's like all we do is stare at screens. Yeah. So it's like, it just it's just inundated. So it's it, it becomes, it, it doesn't stand out, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of churches had to figure out. Like, how do you engage people? How do you create a church service where it's not just like a still camera, like recording, you know, of something that's happening somewhere else and yet is engaging. So it's not like, you know, you're just watching another episode of your favorite TV show, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I realized during the pandemic, like this is a heart shift that people need to make on their own. Mm-hmm. Like one, you need a desire to be in community with each other, but two, like you could sit at home and sit through the worship and not sing a word. I think that's what a lot of people did. But it's like you're actually worship. You should be worshiping with a singing out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a lot of like just getting feedback. Like, oh, this part wasn't you know right. It's like where was like where was your heart in that moment? I mm-hmm. get like some things were maybe yeah. musically off, but like I think the Lord really wanted to check us on our own personal development. Like. Mm. You know, are we in our Bibles? Are we truly worshiping? Are we relying on this pastor and this team to do everything for us one day a week? You know, so hopefully people came out learning how to feed themselves better. You know, I hope so. And then, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that'd be be awesome. (laughs) I mean, you kept using the term litmus test. I mean, that that's what's what's more of a truer test of your faith? You know, when you're stripped away of your church, when you're stripped away of your routines. You know, are you devoting yourself to the Lord? You know, that's like, that was kind of my experience in China. You know, like I'm away from my community, Mm -hmm. away from like 
we didn't attend a church service, but we, we did it and we formed a community, you know, and, um, I mean, if I wanted to get in my word and pray, like I had to do that, you know? Yeah. So I, I think overall those who got, got that and understood that and leaned into it, great experience, Mm -hmm. faith Mm -hmm. builder. For those who became so, you know, sidetracked by politics or fear, you know, it's probably been a really hard, hard season. It's been a hard season for everyone, but I think for their faith and spiritual development. So I'm hoping those, you know, those are the people that, like, I want to get back because I'm so dry. I'm so thirsty, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing that it did for me. because I, I wrestled with big questions the whole time too. Like I don't, I never knew any answers. I was just trying my best to figure it out the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of times I had to call my pastor and, and argue some things out and talk it through. And then, you know, he'd tell me what's going on. This is why we're doing it. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can, pr- I can get on board with that. I can pray yeah. for it. Um, so I, I encourage people who um, maybe listening or anybody in this room that, uh, not these guys, but like, because <laughs> I know they've already argued it out. But if you, you know, if, if you guys disagreed with, something that was happening instead of just like sitting back and, and throwing darts from the back of the room, yes. like, like talk to the pastor about mm-hmm. it and try to get on page with his heart to figure out why it was going on. Cause honestly, uh, as much as we can all say that I, I, w- I would love to say that every pastor in this country had the Holy spirit dictate to them um, exactly what should happen. But most likely they prayed about it and they just did their best, mm-hmm. you know, and often it might not look what you thought would be the best. And um I think a lot of, there was a lot of dissension there a lot. Like I, I know our pastor was like every day getting questions, question, question, question. A lot of them were like statements yeah, <laughs> that yeah, were yeah. like yelling at yeah. him. Yeah. And he had just had to constantly like, he woke up every, every morning. It was like, God, like, what do I do every day? Begging God for like direct answers, how like spirit lead me and how I converse with everybody and hold me accountable for these decisions I'm making. And it wasn't easy for any pastor anywhere. Like yeah. I, I, he was telling me that he had four or five pastor friends just step down because they just couldn't handle it. Um, yeah. The pressure of it. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's tough, but I, I know for me, like after all of this, I just, I'm much more thankful on Sundays that when I'm there, like even, even now, like we, we don't, uh, there aren't really masks anymore in our, in our church. Um, there's like a few people, you know, that there's, it's encouraged to do whatever you would like to do, but for most of the people that aren't wearing them are vaccinated or, mm-hmm. or choose not to. Um, and just like looking out at a congregation and just like, even this morning, like seeing faces saying and like hearing their voices lift higher than the song yes. that we were playing was something that I missed for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so thankful for that. And I, it'll take a while for me to take that for granted again. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's Amen. so true. Yeah. It was, uh, we had a similar moment like that this morning in worship. And I just thought like, man, I missed everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. So I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, one thing I noticed was that, uh, too, for, and just to kind of wrap up our, our thoughts on this is like, I think what you said about getting, uh, really like knowing your Bible and your doctrine and coming out of it being more self-dependent, uh, more independent with God, you know, independent from the church, more dependent on God for, for the learning mm-hmm. process. Cause like one thing I noticed is that for us, we, every Sunday we would watch a sermon on, online when we were home and then we would watch Matt Chandler's right after because it would always be mm-hmm. on and we, we love the Village Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that there were a decent amount of people um, that were doing similar things, but getting sucked into churches that didn't have great doctrine, mm-hmm. but they were really good at like great worship and, and everything. And um, in the middle of it, you know, asking the questions like, oh, do you know like what, you know, what that means when they're saying works-based salvation, <laughs> you, you know, stuff like that. And 
to for them to have to like have the ability and the freedom to really attend virtually any church in the world that what they that they wanted but had to go through the verification process as if you were going to a physical church mm-hmm. of like what is the church teaching and 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 know your bible and doctrine enough to be like I don't want to be fed by by this I don't want to use the word heresy but mistruth um, yeah. on the bible and so it was interesting to see that people were at home some of them got a little led a little stray by you know the flashiness of certain things and it was a gut check to be like, okay, I need to know what the doctrine says for even these churches. So if I'm if my primary version of attendance of a church will be virtual, I need to treat this as if it is a church. Mm-hmm. And and seeing that process kind of flush out was was interesting. Um, but that's why I hope people did their homework. Yeah, and you know, yeah. went to the Lord and you know, discerned, discerned the spirit during those moments. Like, oh, I don't know if that feels right, you know? Mm. So yeah, I really hope people grew in their independent walk with the Lord as we were all isolated, you know? It's like, this is just you and God. Like you have, we have to figure this out, Lord, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, did you see, you mentioned you watched Elevation stuff. Like he said, mm-hmm. did you see their Easter service? Not this year, but last year. Graves in a Garden, that one? I Was think that? so. I, I mean, it was played. I think it's played at like every set they've yeah, done yeah, the past yeah. year. But the, the one where they had all the, the worship leaders from around the world on the back screen in the oh, local no, blocks. Oh, no, I didn't see that then, no. One of the coolest things yeah. I've ever seen. It was so cool. They, I know they said it was live, but definitely was. They yeah. pre-recorded it, but they had every worship leader that they have and they had like 300 of them on the, wow. sc- on the screen. They had they, That was their choir, was mm-hmm. all the worship leaders oh, virtually awesome. singing. Yeah. And you had Stephen Furtick doing his normal dancing thing on the yes. stage and, you know, with like four people in the audience cheering <laughs> for him. Uh, so that was pretty cool. All right. So just to, to wrap up, what is your main worship influence right now? What is like, who do you, what's Oof. your go-to song, band? You can I, answer it too. I, I mean, well, yeah. I, Maverick City, probably. Okay. I just, I appreciate what they're doing. Mm. We're actually going to see them in concert. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going? No, I'm not I don't know. Yeah, Leah Chorus Center, uh, <laughs> October thirtieth. <30th. laughs> yeah, I love Maverick City. I love Upper Room, but I'm always a Kim Walker fan. Like okay. I think I've like her voice is so good, so good. I grew up with her leading in my faith walk. Like she was the first female that I connected to, and I just felt like I can see myself leading in her or through her. So Kim Walker is my girl for life. She's an influence of yeah. your, yeah. yeah. Like when you see uh, Emily lead worship, like, and, and you're familiar with Kim Walker, yeah. you know, you'll pick it up like, oh, wow, she's definitely <laughs> influenced. You know? No, it's like but, she, she but like laughs same... during worship. It's like you say this great phrase and then it's like, just find joy in it. I think people think I'm, I'm like uncomfortable because I'm laughing at it, but I'm like, no, I'm just so happy. Like, how great is this? You know, yeah. is that what you're implying? Be careful what you no, say next I, time. I, I didn't, but you brought it up. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just like a pastor. Like, there's certain pastors yeah. that you can clearly, like, see a, an influence. Like, oh, they they really have this, you know, um, type of thing. You know, like, uh, when I preached a sermon, like, I was I was told by one of my pastors, like, you're, you're going to find yourself, um, you know, as you're expositing, like, you know, like, you know, you're, you're going to be influenced by the people you listen to, you know? Um, and that's, that, that's okay. If you know, obviously they're biblical, you know, teachers. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it's the same, you know, with worship. I mean, like I, I didn't grow up listening to worship 
music and like I you know we grew up during a time where like Christian music was like in its heyday in terms of like like more like mainstream stuff you know mm -hmm. like, like Switchfoot and yeah, yeah 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 I was yeah totally like anti that but uh so for me like I appreciate more like the instrumental stuff right so like Maverick City where they've got like multiple different like genres kind of like mashed together mm -hmm. or like different sounds and stuff like that I appreciate musically right um so that's that's just me as a musician like yeah. I, i'm always I like the sound of the but then also like on a more personal note it's like the the um congregational you know like like people you know the more mm -hmm. of like a, a communal feel to mm -hmm. it rather than a performance you yes. know so i like the way you answer it like so you're almost like you're instead of not inspiration but your influence like mm -hmm. it's it's part so my biggest influence my and I didn't even think of it until you guys like started talking about yours. Uh, when I was a kid, up until I was a teenager, was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. he was like, I, I just, for him specifically, I remember listening to his songs and, you know, Dive and all those like cheesy, you know, those ones. But he's really good at acoustic guitar, so I started learning that. And then like when his child passed away, um, like hearing mm -hmm. his whole album of just mourning. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you know hearing him have a whole nother album of like redemption mm. and a whole nother, like seeing like a grown man that I knew as a believer, have a tragedy happen to him, you know, recover for it, continue serving and, you know, continues to pump out music. That is, that was just like one of the biggest testimonies that he didn't even verbalize, but it was like, it was like the journey of his life. That was like hugely impactful. And the second one is Shane and Shane for mm. me. I know that he, uh, Joe's is like elevation is like, that's what he thinks. Like that I feel just, I, for me, Shane and Shane is like what I'm probably, we'll probably all hear the worship we want to hear. And <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah, be singing whatever we want to sing right, at Jesus' right. feet when we get to heaven. <laughs> um, but like I just, Shane and Shane, I just love so much because it was like simple and it was, they, their process is to just uh, say scripture out loud and then just find a way to make it fit within chords. Mm. And so they didn't even know chords when they first started playing, they would play and like, oh, that, and they would just have all these like different weird. That's why when you watch them play, their hands look like they're like spiders because they, <laughs> they don't play any chord like they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, because they don't know what chords are. So they have somebody else transpose them onto paper for them when they do it. But it's just cool to, I, I love the idea of just straight scripture. Like they'll mm -hmm. change one or two words for the syllables to fit, but like they don't, they just take the scripture. I and do too. Um, I love that. And I love it when bands do that today, Elevation and, and, and Hillsong, because it's, it's just so pure. It's like, yeah. what, there's not, yeah. when we says lift holy hands up, like, we don't have holy hands. We're giving back to God what's his. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to give back to God his word. Yep. That's what yeah. it, you know, it's the only thing that is worthy. It's a great point. I was thinking the word purity. Like it's just very pure. Yeah. Um, that style. But I, I hope Shane and Shane listen to this or someone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I met them one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I met them at um, PAC. They came and, and spoke at, uh, they played at Princeton Alliance. Oh, cool. oh, wow. And I went with Mitch. Um, okay. And, I met them afterwards and I was like a total nerd. And I was like, you know, how do you strum so fast? That's what I admire on Shane uh, Everett. And uh, super awkward. He was that, he didn't, he's like, he just got to practice. I was like, I'm waiting for like some like monumental <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. You gotta, like, you gotta take this cartilage Twist out of your wrist. wrist yeah. Like you gotta get a thin pick. He was just like, you just gotta be good. I was yeah. like, That's not <laughs> just be better. Just yeah. be better. And he, yeah. Um, but they're, they're pretty cool. All right, so thank you guys so much for for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is awesome, um, Johnny. It's been I we've I've had you in mind when we first sat down to to start this podcast. I wrote your names down on like the first list of people we wanted to have on. So Aww. quite um, an honor. So yeah. uh, we're happy to have you guys. And 
Um, I was even when I asked John, like a few, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to come. And when you text, I was like, yes, because yes. I know she, she would yeah, be able to. Um, so thank you guys so much. And I will um, be touching base with you guys. And I'll forward any messages that people send in or any yeah. questions for you guys. Great. We sincerely thank you for listening to this week's episode of Encounter. On this podcast, our goal is to encounter Christ, culture, and each other. And specifically in the each other part, in our real conversations that sometimes span two to three hours, you may hear an opinion that you disagree with. First, please know that scripture is our ultimate authority and that the word of God is the ultimate test of objective truth. Second, know that we are all part of the body of Christ and we are constantly learning and growing as well and would love to hear from you if you think differently on a topic. You can do so by DMing us on Instagram. If you have been blessed by this podcast at all, please subscribe, like, and share it.